Hi, my name is Pastor Tony Gilmore, prophet, priest, teacher, rabbi. Jesus has been called by many names. However, do we really know Jesus? As a matter of fact, how well do we know Jesus? In this series, we'll learn who Jesus really is and how it impacts the lives of those who believe in him. So the scripture I want to start out with is found in Mark chapter 4, verse 40 through 41. And this is when Jesus had told the disciples, to, we're, going in, we're going to the other side. We're getting in the boat. We're going to the other side. And as they're going to the other side, the storm comes. And as the storm comes, they begin to worry. And this is what they begin to say to Jesus. He says, um, then he turned to his disciples, Jesus did, and said to them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned the trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, who is this man who has the authority that even the winds and waves obey him? And then 1 John 4 and 17 to go along with this reads, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us, say in us, so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. And when, when I think about Jesus in his day, the religious people hated him. They couldn't stand Jesus because Jesus was always doing something to mess with their order. He was always messing up their program, their plan. It was like, hey, it's the Sabbath day. Nobody's supposed to do anything. And Jesus walks into the synagogue. Guess what? You're sick. And he says, be healed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody heals on the Sabbath day. Everybody's supposed to do nothing. That's what the law says. Jesus said, but listen, if your donkey fell in the well, would you leave your donkey in the well till tomorrow? Or would you go get the donkey? He was constantly coming against the natural order of things and bringing in who God really is. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus was what I like to call unprecedented. See, the word unprecedented is used to articulate something that people has never seen before. Matter of fact, the definition is never before known or experienced, unexampled or unparalleled. It's like never done or known before, first time or exceptional. Jesus was not normal. He was uncommon. And everywhere he went, he expressed who the Father is and how he approaches us, as well as showed how we should live on the earth. Isn't it interesting that in this story, Jesus is telling the disciples, let's go to the other side. I gave you my word. We're going to the other side. How many of y'all know when God gives you a word, you're welcome in a storm? 
that as soon as God promises you something, don't think you're just going to walk into it, going to glide into it, going to roll into it, just going to fall into it. That when God gives you a word, there is an enemy that's coming against the word that God has promised you. And a lot of times the enemy shows up in a storm. See, sometimes a storm is your life is out of control or your marriage gets out of control. I remember talking to people and I'm like, Pastor Tony, as soon as I start tithing, my car fell apart. As soon as I start giving, my gas bill got paid off. And what we do in those moments is we quit, don't we? As soon as I decided to get my life together, my children started acting up. All of this stuff saw falling apart. Don't get it twisted. The evidence of a storm is really the fact that you're right where you should be doing what you should be doing. Because when he said we go into the other side, when he says you've been delivered, know that the enemy is going to try and come and give you outer experiences to make you disbelieve what God has told you. But when Jesus is on the boat, when he's with you, when the storms come, he has the power to speak to the storm. But I want to give you this. Jesus is underneath the boat, sleeping. The storm is happening. The disciples are going crazy. Jesus, where are you at? Somebody goes downstairs and says, hey, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish? Can't you feel how rocky this boat is? And this is how I picture it in my mind. Allow me to use my imagination. Jesus woke up, wiping the sleep out of his eyes. He says, why are you so afraid? I told you we were going to the other side. Haven't you learned to trust yet? And then he begins to talk to them. Oh, you of little faith. Where's your faith? And then he says to the storm, be still. He didn't have to yell. He didn't have to scream because authority doesn't have to yell. He said, Peace, be still. I'm going back to sleep. (laughs) And this is what I got from that text. Because we say, if Jesus is on the boat, he can steal the winds and the waves that are in your life. I want to give you a different mindset. That Jesus told the disciples, oh, ye of little faith. Not because they didn't believe he could stop the winds and the waves, but he was saying to them, you could stop the winds and the waves. We could just be silent on that for a moment. He wasn't saying that you don't have faith because you don't believe I can do it. He says, I've given you authority that when you have faith, you can do what I do. See, the Bible says that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. So he wasn't 100% God, 50% man, 50% God, 50% man. He was 100% 
both, which means deity became humanity. And God did it like that on purpose. Because he could have came down himself outside of the form of a man, did everything he did, but he knew that the blood that needed to be shed was human blood, number one. And number two, he needed to leave us an example of what this life looks like when we live it out to its fullest. I am not comparing my Christian walk to yours or your Christian walk or my neighbor's Christian walk. You know who I compare my Christian walk to? I compare my Christian walk to Jesus because my goal is not to be like you as a Christian or you as a Christian. My goal is to be like Jesus. And so now my standard is high. Not based on what you do or don't do. See, when we understand this thought of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, Holy Spirit in regeneration. So then when you understand that he manifests in three different ways, And the son is the second part of the Trinity. He is the son of God. The Bible says son of God in some portions, says son of man in other portions. Why? Because they wanted, the writers wanted to articulate the godness of who Jesus was and the manness of who Jesus was at the same time. I love the way Max Lucado puts it. He says, the tongue that called forth the dead was a human one. The hand that touched the leper had dirt under its nails. The feet upon which the woman wept were calloused and dusty and his tears. Oh, don't miss his tears. They came from a heart as broken as yours and mine. He had the full human experience. I remember when the kids were younger and there was a storm and we were stuck at home that Sunday. The Dream Center canceled church and everything. And we're at home. And so we're like, let's play church. So we had Amber and Gabby over here and Daniel and Tez over there. And, and Gabby, uh, well, Amber said, I want to be the pr- praise and worship leader today. I'm like, okay. And then Tez like, well, I'm media and sound that day. Daniel's like, well, I want to preach that day. That's, that's what Daniel runs to. And so Gabby was like, well, wait a minute. I wanted to lead praise and worship. So we're like, okay, we'll have two praise and worship sessions today. And so Amber sings a song and then Gabby comes along and she sings a song. And she says at the end of her song, Jesus is my dad. And we're like, What? You're just making up stuff now. But here's the interesting part about it. We don't understand the role of the Trinity. And so we put Jesus in places that he shouldn't be, the Father in places that he's not, and we put the Holy Spirit out of the ball of wax altogether sometimes. See, the Father in creation, he's our daddy. We pray to him. Now, a lot of times we pray to Jesus and listen, God is not playing semantics, but for faith, we got to understand how this thing works. He 
said, you can ask in my name. He said, you don't have to ask me. You go directly to the Father in my name. So when I pray, I'm praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus is not coming down and paying your light bill. Jesus is not coming down and keeping your kids safe. Jesus is not the one bringing you healing in this moment. No, Jesus, matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. So the Bible says he is sitting You know what you do when you sit? You finish with something. So Jesus is sitting. So then who does the work? The Holy Spirit. Guess what? I know this is about to mess some of y'all up, especially my younger people. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you right now. And when I understand that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, I understand that when I submit my life to the degree that Jesus submitted his life, the same power that the Holy Spirit did things through him, he does things through me. Can I just tell you this? Jesus said this himself. He said, guess what? The works that I do, uh, yeah. But you'll do greater works than me. Why? Because I go unto my father. Why did that make so much of a difference? Why? Because the Holy Spirit was in, in Jesus. And if you understand biblical context, he went from Capernaum to Galilee. The place that Jesus ministered in was a very small area. So he was limited in where he could go. But when he went on to be with the father, guess what? He released the Holy Spirit to come on everybody that would believe. And now ministry doesn't have to just be in Galilee or Capernaum. Now it can be in St. Louis. It can be in Washington. It can be in Istanbul. And the very things that Jesus did on the earth, he said, guess what? You can do it too. But here's a challenge. We don't have the faith to believe it. Faith is the key. Can I help you with this? Your behavior is not the key. Faith is the key. And when you have faith, your behavior is going to follow. We make the thought, well, if I act right, if I am right, if I do right, God will do all of these things. And we place our faith back into this mindset of saying, my works, my works, my works, my works. Guess what? If you believe right, you'll behave right. And instead of saying, let me get my, my behaving together. No, get my believing together. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within me. I may have been an addict. I may have been an alcoholic, but I am a new creature today filled with God's spirit, walking in his anointing. And when I believe it, now drugs don't look the same. Alcohol doesn't look the same. My mess doesn't look the same. Why? Because it's not who I am. That's who I was. And when I begin to believe who he's made me to be, I will see that some of those lifelong issues begin to just fall off. 
Do you know, faith, this is how I see it. Faith is my ability to believe in the promises of God, the power of God, and that the presence of God is bigger than my current experience. That's what faith is. But my mom is still, so? But my ex-wife or my ex so? They're not your God. God's your God. And at the moment he forgave you and said he cleansed you, as a matter of fact, my God is so awesome that he says, I take your mess and I throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to even bring it up to you again. So when your mama's bringing it up or your cousin's bringing it up, it's not me bringing it up because I don't even remember. What are you talking about? Why are you still repenting over what I already forgave you over? And it's faith. And in that faith, when we begin to focus on walking the way Jesus walked, we create more distance from who we used to be. We were, and some of you all heard me tell the story before, but we were in the building next door and a guy had a demon spirit on him. It was Sunday morning and I walked in the building and I saw him and he just went in. And so I began to pray in the name of Jesus, come out. And I'm yelling and I'm screaming and he is getting worse and nothing's working. And I'm like, come out in Jesus name. Then this guy by the name of Manuelo, who was here, walked in the building and he saw what I was doing. And I said, man, this dude got a demon spirit. So Manuelo joined in and he's like, in Jesus' name. And we're like, Jesus, Jesus. And we're going back and forth and back and forth. And this dude is still going in. And I remember when I look back at that moment, I didn't have faith in what I was doing. I was doing what I saw somebody else do. So because I was doing what somebody else do, did the enemy was just like I know Paul I know Jesus who are you <laughs> thank God he didn't try and jump off on me I had enough Jesus in, you know I had enough Holy Spirit in me that he didn't try and jump off on me but at the same time I'm mimicking what I saw you know why because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and when my faith is low I go back and I hear and I hear and I hear and when my faith is low I go back and I hear that word all over again until it becomes so strong within me that it is bigger than the thing that I am facing so fast forward well so then pastor Rick Washington walks into the room in all his pastor Rickness. And we're going in and we're yelling. He says, what y'all doing? You don't see there's a demon spirit in front. You missing this part, Pastor Rick? He says, oh, excuse me, guys. And he walks right up to the guy and he says, what's your name? And immediately what was on the guy just, boom, fell off. Just stopped. And I'm like, that's all this talk? We yelling, I'm sweating, I need to change clothes, all of this. And it's like, he walks in, what's your name? And then the guy calms down and Pastor Rick quietly walks him to talk to him in another room. I'm like, what kind of mess? He didn't even.
even say in the name of Jesus. He just walked in. You know why? Because Satan recognizes faith-filled authority. It does not need to yell. It does not need to scream. He just walked into him because of Pastor Rick's faith. The spirit saw his spirit and was like, oh, this dude ain't like these other two dudes. (laughs) Fast forward three years later, after having the chance to study it out, get the word in my heart in this particular area. We're at the church in Chicago and there's a woman on the ground and the the demon spirit is on her. And I got all of these people around her. It's like five people around her. Come out in the name of Jesus and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're screaming. And I was like, ah, here we go. So I get to play Pastor Rick. Walk up to the circle. Excuse me, y'all. Give me a moment. Just excuse me. Sweetheart, what's your name? Her eyes were rolled back in her head. The black came back. And she began to talk to me. Because authority doesn't have to yell. And when you walk in faith-filled authority, the demons know when that walks in the room. And a lot of times we spend all of this time praying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. And you know what? Everything that Jesus was going to do, he already did. When he died on the cross, rose from the dead, everything that he was going to do on the earth is done. The last, the next thing that he's going to do is not come down here and pay your bill or heal your body like that. The next thing he's going to do is come back in this place and rapture us up out of here. That's his next role besides the fact that the Bible says he is at the right hand of the father. You know what he's doing right now? He is interceding for us, praying for us, words that we don't even know to pray for ourselves. But you know what he's saying to us as we're still here? Walk like I walked. You are not common. You are not normal. And when you let the same spirit that raised me from the dead work through you, no addiction can stand. No situation can stand. And so I want to give you these last three things and then I'm out that will help us walk like Jesus walked. You know, the first thing that made Jesus so powerful, he knew who he was, his identity. He knew who he was. John 13, 2 through 5, before Jesus and his disciples gathered for dinner, the adversary filled Judas Iscariot's heart with plans of deceit and betrayal. But check this out. Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going away to God, stood up from dinner, removed his garments, He then wrapped himself in a towel, poured water in the basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them in his towel. See, because Jesus knew who he was, he was right in the face of his enemy. And the Bible said because he knew where he had come from. See, you're not from just Minnesota. You're not just from the north side. You are from the belly of the almighty God. Created by God for a purpose, 
on purpose. Jesus paid the ultimate price because you were worth paying that price for when you know who you are, that you're the righteousness of God and you understand who you are to God. You can look at your enemies and say, all right, you're going to try and get me cool. How can I serve you? How can I love you? That's how Jesus said we can love our enemies. When you know who you are, you know who's, when you know who you are, you know whose you are. And you can walk that thing out in love. You don't have to get in pride and retaliate. And what Jesus did was uncommon. You know your enemy. You know he's about to betray you. You know that they lied on you. And you're about to wash his feet. Do you notice that it didn't say he washed everybody's feet but Judas? It said he washed the disciples' feet, which meant he even washed the feet of his enemy. But when you know who you are, None of that matters. I love the way that David puts this. He says in Psalms 23, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Since you making a fat place in the presence of my enemies, I don't have to get mad. I don't have to get upset. I can walk in love because I'm good. And when you understand who you are, you aren't pulled back in the junk as much. Number two, he understood why he came, his destiny. He understood why he was here. Oh, I'm sorry. You've been told you were an accident. You've been told nobody wanted you. You've been told that your parents wanted to have an abortion, but you know, your grandmother was the one that kept you here. No, nah, don't get it twisted. You're here because God wanted you here. He had you here on purpose. And no matter how many mistakes you have made along the way and across the path, he has not changed his mind about the purpose that he's created you for. And when you know your purpose, everything else makes sense. If you're struggling today with why did God give me those parents? Why did God allow me to walk through this situation? Why did God do me like that? You need to start changing your vernacular and start saying, God, thank you for helping me survive those parents. Thank you for helping me survive that mistake. Why? Because you don't use every part of it for what you created me for. Nothing in God is wasted. Not one ounce, not one decade, not one second. He is going to use everything to fulfill what he created you for. When you find out why you're here. Jesus in John 18, 36 and 38 says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. I might have, he said, that I might be, I'm sorry, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this, have I come into the world to bear witness to the truth. He said, this is why I came. I came to give you the truth. I came to give you the truth about you. People have lied to you about who you were because they defined who you were by what you did. 
I'm not defining you by what you did. I'm defining you by what I had in mind when I created you. I'm not defining you by your mistakes. They can only see the outer appearance. Guess what? They didn't create you. I'm not going to go to the creator of a microwave to ask him how my car should work. He doesn't know why the car works the way that it does because he didn't create me. But when I go to the creator of the car to say, how should this thing function? Guess what? I know how this thing should function. How can I go to another man or another woman who's created just like I am to find out who I am? No, I go back to the one who created me, who breathed breath into my life, who made me black, who made me bald, who made me tall, who made me strong. Whatever I am, I go to the one that created me. And maybe, just maybe, you've been stuck where you are because you keep going to the wrong people for the information on who you are. He came to tell us the truth. The truth is, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. The truth is, He esteems you more than the angels, more than the stars and the moon in the sky. You want to know why or how that is? Because when he created them, he said, that's good and that's good. But when we created, he said, oh, that's very good. When you begin to see you the way he sees you and understand your destiny, everything changes. Do you know? And you don't. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what my purpose is. That's okay. He said, if you seek me, you'll find it. Ask, you'll receive. Knock, the door be open. Seek, you'll find. I'm not playing hide and seek with your purpose. I'm waiting. As a matter of fact, when I show it to you, you're going to be like, dang, it was that the whole time? I just couldn't see it. I didn't. Wow. It's been right in front of me my whole life and I couldn't see it. You know why? You couldn't see it because only the Holy Spirit is able to reveal it and he can only reveal it to somebody that is listening. And if you're not listening, he can't tell you. Don't nobody want to talk to somebody that's not listening. So you want to know? Ask. He'll show you and then just be quiet a little bit. And then begin to do things so God can show you. Because Jesus knew why he was here. And because he knew why he was here, he had an uncommon focus. Then the third and the last one. He knew where he was going. Eternity. He knew and understood this life is fleeting. We are but a vapor. Here for a moment and gone in the next and that our life here is only temporary we consistently make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances when he says listen this is temporary John 14 1 and 3 I love this scripture let not your heart be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you will be also.
this is not forever. This is a bleep. This is a moment. Jesus died over 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine if the average lifespan is whatever they say it is now? How many lifespans have come and gone since Jesus died? And yet he says, guess what? When you believe in me, when you have faith in me, that you have everlasting life. Can I tell you a secret? Okay, this is going to blow your mind. And you just let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you later. You don't have everlasting life when you die. You have it right now. You don't have it when you die. You have it right now. Because at the moment you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, at that moment you became a son of the living God and your eternal man came alive and you now live for eternity. Now you, listen, as you live for God, you get to live forever. And guess what? This is the lowest point of the life that we're going to live. This life on the earth This is puny. This is small. We are left here to serve and to bring as many people with us as possible. But don't get it twisted. This is not the culmination. This is not the ultimate. I don't care how big your house is, how nice your car is, how fine your wife is. I don't care how great you think this is. This is nothing compared to what we have in place for us. And God said through Jesus Christ that I have many rooms that I prepared for you, that when you come out of this realm into my realm, you will then really begin to live. You are an eternal being right now. So if I am an eternal being right now, then guess what? When I know who I am, know I am here and know where I'm going, I can live right now for eternity. See, that's where the shift. And guess what Jesus did? He knew who he was. He knew what he was to do. He knew where he was going. And so every day, he lived out his eternal purpose. Every morning he woke up, he lived out of eternity. Every problem you have, you're going to outlive. Every problem you have, you're going to outlive because you're eternal. And when you can wrap your mind, I know it's like, that makes no sense, Pastor Tony. I get it. And that's why he left us the Holy Spirit because he left us the Holy Spirit because these things aren't supposed to make sense to our five senses. They make sense to the spirit that is within us. And when we grab a hold of those things, I'll say this and then, I close. When you grab a hold of who you really are and begin to live out of the flow of what the Holy Spirit puts in you, he's so cool. The Holy Spirit is gangster. He's so cool that he is seeing something ahead of you. Don't go left. Go right. Don't get in that car. Don't buy that drink. Don't date that girl. Don't date that man. (laughs) He is right there guiding you through all of the potholes and landmines of life. And while he's guiding you to the best life that you can have here, 
He's guiding through you, giving life to everybody that comes around you. What is it like to have people say, I don't know what it is about you, but when I'm around you, I feel so good. When I'm around you, it's just, you're so different. You're so unique. I I don't feel like this around anybody else. And for my guys, you think that she's just trying to flirt with you and like, oh, she wants to be feeling. No, no. What she's feeling is the Holy Spirit living through you, living through the fruit of the Spirit and the life of the Spirit. And when you can learn to live life on that level, we get to do what Jesus did. We get to live like Jesus did. And we get to impact people's lives in a way that we can never imagine. Whether you are 8 or 98, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.